TNC Original African Stories Listener discretion is advised as this podcast may contain violence or strong language. Previously on My Name is AZ. Uncle, uh, I, I didn't know how to... Oh, they know how. Oh, they know how. No, eh? Aziz, you now know how, Abi. Oti know how, Nisin. Fadike sent me a text. She was just checking on me. Then I woke up about an hour before my date. Been a while I had one of those. I teased her about her hair and she laughed. <laughs> I noticed Cassie walking into the e-tree. Is that an old friend? Well, more like employer. Employer. Why do you do this to yourself? How much did he offer you to get you to forget so soon? How much? How dare you? I'm not a child. This is my life. You can either fit in or fuck off. Hello? Hello, good day. I have a message for Princess. Please let her know that I have gotten her a plus two for the event on the 26th. I flipped open one of the pieces. Only the HIV box was checked. I looked at the bottom of the page. And the results? Positive. The drive back to Lekki was intense. A lot of thoughts kept popping in and out of my mind. It all seemed to make sense now. But it was just so... sad. I'd read about this and I'd even seen commercials on TV. But I'd never known anyone infected with the disease. But now? Now everything is different. It's just so much for me to take in all at once. Princess seemed too good a person to be the one. Why her? It just goes to show how unfair the world can be at times. I joined all the loose ends together, even as I drove. But if this was why she was doing this, it still wasn't right. I was going to talk to her and try to get her to stop, but definitely not tonight. I felt so bad thinking about the things I had said to her when I dropped her off. She was right. I really didn't know anything about her. This alone changes so much. It changes everything. I made it back to Lekki long before 11 p.m. She wasn't going to be expecting me, so I had to wait. I packed the car, took a stroll around, got a drink, and then went back to the car. I tried to think through the past weeks and just how much drama I seemed to have gotten myself into. So much has changed since that day I picked up Cassie and Debbie. <laughs> Deborah. My thoughts briefly swayed to Uncle Mufu. I still had the keys to the new taxi he gave me. A few hours ago, I had more or less made up my mind to take him up on his offer. But with this new development, maybe this was my own way of helping Princess. I couldn't possibly leave her to herself after this. And if I hoped to convince her to change, I needed to stay close enough to her. I needed to see Uncle Mufudo. His level of generosity was still strange to me. But I needed to try to make him understand why I can't accept his offer. It was obvious I couldn't head back to Ibadan for Christmas. With Mama in the hospital, I really had no business there. I have to check on Mama with the doctor later on. I decided to stay back in school and catch up on all my courses through the holiday. I looked at the time just then. It was a few minutes to 11. I got out of the car and walked to the gate. I pressed a little button by the pedestrian gate and that familiar voice answered, asking who I was and what I wanted. I simply answered, is it here to pick Miss Princess? With this, I stepped back, keeping a good distance between the gates and my face. I had made up my mind not to go inside, no matter what. I wasn't ready for surprises. 
While I stood there reminiscing the terrible events of the night Princess and I were captured, the gates opened and Princess walked out with Zeno, closely following behind. I felt some relief when I saw Zeno. I didn't get to thank him for helping us escape the other time. But as I looked at him, I knew this wasn't the place or time. The look on his face was blank and expressionless. With no questions asked, Princess looked at me and said, Let's go. We walked to the car, even as Zeno stood by the gate watching us. I started the car and drove off, half thanking God nothing dramatic happened. As I drove, I tried looking for some sort of expression on Princess's face, but there was nothing. She sat in the back seat again, and every time I thought I saw her smiling, when I looked through the rearview mirror, I realized I was wrong. Hmm, the weather feels good this evening. Uh-huh. A few minutes later, oh, the traffic ahead is quite light. Mm, uh-huh. All my attempts at making little conversation failed. I then decided to let it go. I made it back to High Rise before midnight, and as I parked, I knew I couldn't just end the night like that. I had to ease the tension somehow, but before I could think of what next to say, she spoke. I'll be moving out of school for the holiday tomorrow. Are you going to be in Lagos for Christmas? I turned a bit to look at her, and then answered, Yes, uh, I'll be in Lagos, but I knew I needed to study. How would I explain this to her? What is it? Nothing. I'll, I'll be around, princess. Fine. Then you can keep the car with you. I'll call ahead whenever I need you. Don't bother about coming for me tomorrow. She then reached into her purse and brought out a little piece of paper, which she handed to me. I took it from her and noticed it was a check. It had no name written on it, but the amount was written in 100,000 naira. What was this? <laughs> Your salary? I didn't know what name to write on it, but you do have something to identify yourself with, yes? I sat there, quiet. 100,000 naira. Me. Salary. Do you? I came back to reality. Yes, yes, I, I, yes, I do, I do, yes. <laughs> Still shocked, I didn't immediately notice Princess getting out of the car. Not until she was about closing the door. I called out to her then. Princess. She turned to look at me. I'm, I'm very sorry for earlier and thank you. Without a word, she turned around and walked away. I held the check for a long time thinking to myself, 100,000 naira, Aziz, never in my life. I've only heard of these kinds of figures. Even when I was much younger and my father was still with us, I never came across this kind of money in cash or check. I must have sat there for about half an hour thinking, just thinking about how I'd gotten to that spot, what I'd done to earn this much. I just didn't seem to be able to justify it and the only way I could accept it was if I believed it was a miracle from God, for Mama. I was still a long way off what was needed for her surgery, but it was a significant start. I still had more than enough saved away from my trips with Cassie and the other girls, so I was more than comfortable. I folded the check neatly into my pocket, took out all I needed from the car, and left for my room. It was definitely too late to get a cab, so I took the long walk through Access Road to my hostel. I got to my room and I met Dari, packing his things. The room looked pretty empty, 
I knew most, if not all my other roommates would have left school. I was surprised to see Diary packing though. I could have bet he was going to stick around in school till Christmas Eve. Mr. Hazard! Chebi, that's your new name now. Eh? Big boy Hazard. I ignored Diary and walked to my locker. Hey, the key one now. Abi, because we don't drive Corollas like you, we no longer talk to you. I turned around in surprise. What Corolla? Oh, you think I don't know? Abi, you think say we don't know? Know what? What do you know? Hmm. Aziz. He stopped packing and walked towards me. So this is what you have been up to all this while? This is what has been keeping you away from lectures, from school, from your friends? Abi, I'm high to your friends, safe. I stood there not knowing what to say. Has it gotten that bad? I don't think I know you anymore. If not for all the gossip around this place, I would not even have known that something was going on. But has it really gotten to all these asses? Koti Bajeto here now. Everyone in school knows. Knows what? Knows what exactly, Dari? What do you all know? I said half yelling and Dari flinched. We all know that that, that, that spoiled and snobbish daughter of Chief Adeto Kumbo George has cast a spell on you. She literally has you driving her up and down campus, running errands for her, and God knows what else. I stood there, not knowing how to react. You leave her house at odd hours? And is that where you're coming from right now? I looked away from Dari. I wanted to ignore him. I was angry. No, disgusted. Even if every other person in the world was quick to jump into conclusions, I expected more from him. Not after knowing me almost all my life. Least he could have done was come ask me. I was irritated because he had ruined the pleasant thoughts I had about saving up the 100,000 naira for Mama's surgery. I wish I hadn't come to the room. I was so irritated. I missed the fact that he had just told me Princess was the daughter of Chief Tokumbo George, the renounced political godfather of most politicians in this part of the country. Oh, so you are not going to answer me, Aziz. Aziz, oh, me And so what? So what if it's you, Dari? You've completely disappointed me. Ah, you fall my hand. How could you just conclude like that? No single benefit of doubt. No! No, Naziz! You've let me no choice. Do you even remember the last time we had a serious conversation? All we do now we are days is just to meet, say hi, and goodbye. I come back to my room and I see all these new clothes in your locker. And then all I hear is all these stories. Kill of roll now. What do you want me to think? He was right. Dari could pass as my exact opposite in that we had almost completely different lifestyles. But he was the one person I was so comfortable talking to. He always seemed to help set me right, but lately I had been so far away from him. I just felt he would never be able to understand any of the things that had been happening, let alone be able to advise on what or what not to do. And I knew I was too harsh with my response. This was Dari's way of asking. This was him giving me the benefit of a doubt. Ah, Dari. Orokbo. Orokbo gone, Dari walked to my bunk and sat. Hmm, okay, Mongbo, I'm listening. I sat on the lower bunk opposite mine and thought about where to begin. Picking up Cassie and Debbie that fateful day, or meeting Princess, getting thrown into the crazy world of high-class prostitutes, almost getting killed, losing my taxi... Dari and I spoke till almost 4am. He felt like he was watching a movie. The expressions on his face as I told him some of my experiences were classic. I wished I had a camera to capture them. He did surprise me though. 
For a geek, he seemed to know a lot about why not and the seemingly symbiotic relationship between taxi drivers and prostitutes. Dari disliked Cassie instantly. He begged me to try as much as I could to stay away from her as she had trouble rooting all over her. He was very drawn to Princess. Very sad when I told him about the test result I found. He also felt I had to help her realize she was better than what she was doing. Dari advised me to keep working for Princess as long as it would help me raise the money Mama needed faster, but also said I should try not to get drawn into their world. It was definitely fun talking to Dari again. I felt so much relief when I finally went to bed. He woke me up later in the morning. He had taken his bath and was dressed. He was heading home to his family in Dubai for the holiday. He reminded me to make sure I saw Uncle Mufu before the end of the holiday. And then he left. I went back to bed and slept so pleasantly. I think I even dreamt about Fadike. I must have because I woke up thinking about her. It was almost as though she was haunting me in my sleep about going to church. I hadn't been to church in a while and I had a lot to be thankful for and also a lot of repenting to do. It was just about 11am. I was almost late for service. I jumped off my bed, took a quick bath, got dressed and ran out of my room to church. The service was interesting. The sermon was about divine surprises. It made me feel as if I was living in the future as I was already experiencing a testimony from the sermon. I left church and on my way back to my room, I got a call from Fadike. Hello. So is it a yes or a no? What? <laughs> Are you proposing to me? Eh, Oga, don't flatter yourself, I beg. Did you go to church or not? Hmm. This is a tough question, seeing as your marrying me is hinged on the answer, yeah? <laughs> Who is marrying you? <laughs> I'm just heading back to my room. Yes, I went to church. Eh, uh-huh. we thank God. We chatted for a while about how she still had nothing planned for her birthday. She was so unexcited about it. It got me thinking, maybe the right gift would do the trick. Maybe. I had never given a girl a birthday gift. I didn't have a clue. I got off the phone and went to get food. I returned to my room and began sorting out my notes. Dari had filled me in on all I had missed and surprisingly enough, it wasn't so much. I went out later in the evening. I needed to move the car somewhere closer just to be safe. I parked outside my hostel and drew a few comments from people who knew me. I got enough food to last me through the night and the next morning. I didn't plan on going out till I was done with all my reading. At about 11pm, I had covered quite a lot and I decided to get some rest. I hadn't gotten a call from Princess all day and it seemed strange. I'd call her in the morning just to check on her. I was still concerned about her and that test result I saw. I just didn't know how exactly to go about bringing up the topic. As I lay in bed trying to fall asleep, my phone rang. This late? I wondered who it was. I checked my phone and Cassie's name flashed on the screen. I wondered just what she could want at this time of the night on a Sunday. Hello, Cassie. He's dead. She was whispering. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Please, I need you to come and get me. Please, please. Cassie, I, I can't. I'm stranded. It's an emergency. Please, please, I'm in Obalinde. I will text you the address now. Please hurry. Thank you. I couldn't understand how she managed to get me to do it over and over again. But as I got into my car and drove out of school, I promised myself it would be the last time, especially since Dari had begged me to stay away. I received Cassie's text. She was in a hotel somewhere in Obalinde. 
Her direction seemed straightforward enough. I wondered why she was whispering though. I just wanted to get done with her and get back to studying. I was parked outside the hotel in about 20 minutes. I tried to call Cassie, but she kept cutting my call. She finally sent me a text message, begging me to come up to help her carry some of her luggage. I couldn't believe her. After what happened last time, even though I was working for my money, it was going to be the last time. I went into the hotel. It was more like a motel. It looked shabby and nothing remotely comparable to the guest house we went to in Ogun State. The man, or boy, at the counter was half asleep and it took him three attempts before he could finally point me in the right direction to Cassie's room. I made my way up and as I was about knocking on the door, Cassie opened it and pulled me in. She put her hand across my mouth and asked me to speak in hushed tones. It felt as if something was wrong, but I wasn't in the mood to ask questions. Cassie pointed to a Ghana Moscow bag in the corner of the room and asked that I help her carry it down. The bag was medium-sized and looked heavy, but surprisingly, it wasn't. It seemed like it was stuffed with paper. I carried the bag and went down ahead of Cassie. She soon joined me in the car, in the front passenger seat, after she asked me to put the bag in the boot. And as I drove away, she said we were going to a place called Obawole, somewhere close to Akuti. That was very far and totally in the opposite direction of where she stayed in Badori. It was hard, but I put my frustration aside and I didn't complain. I drove as far as I knew and then Cassie described the rest of the journey. For some strange reason, we met just one police checkpoint on the way, even on the mainland. At that stop, the policeman simply looked into the car and then asked us to go on. We made it to our destination before 2am. The street was quiet and remote. The house was also a bungalow, unpainted, just like Cassie's house in Battery, but much smaller. I parked outside and helped her carry the bag inside. I hesitated initially, but this was unlike the last time. She seemed to have a genuine reason for me to go inside with her. She opened the gate and then the door even as I carried the bag behind her. We walked into the house and I noticed it was poorly furnished. Two chairs were arranged in the living room. There was no television or any other form of electronic. I dropped the bag and waited for her to pay me before leaving. I had already made up my mind to leave. If she asked me to go get it from a room or anywhere else. Cassie sat on one of the chairs and pulled the bag towards her. She had that smile on her face and kept staring at me, even as she opened the bag. Curious about the content, I watched as she unzipped it and I couldn't help but gasp in surprise. Jesus! The bag was full of money, mint bundles of 500 naira notes. Cassie laughed. <laughs> Is it? Is it? She said as she stood and walked towards me. See, in that bag, I have nine million naira. Yes, nine million. A gift from one of my customers. And that gift, it can be for you and I. See, I'm not going to play any games. I like you. I really like you. She said as she touched my face. And I want you to be my man. As in, legally, you. I stood there, speechless. I plan on leaving this your damned fucking country and going back home. Me, I come from Cameroon. Yes, with this money, we will live like king and queen in Yaoundé. We can leave first thing in the morning, no, through Calabar if you want. So what do you say? I stood there, 
still speechless, thinking, wondering how she'd really come about all this money and how she trusted me enough to make me this offer or think I couldn't steal the money from her. A. Z. Look at me. I mean, look at me. We don't have time. Just look me in the eye and give me an answer now. 